This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Things are going off all over the place. Before we get too far into things, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Mike's horrible erectile dysfunction problem. What? I have the opposite of that. Oh, uh, that's true. I've I've heard stories. Um, The... So, you know, guys, we're all getting older. I just had a birthday. I don't know if you guys are aware of it. I mean, Mike did wish me happy birthday on my birthday. Mike also had a birthday. Uh, I turned another decade old. <laughs> well, not not another decade older than one year, but I crossed uh, out of uh, one decade and into another decade of life. Uh, and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting to that point where, you know, when you're 18... I mean, when you're 18, it's all about, you know, just lasting forever, and I don't know. <laughs> but if you want to have good sex, sometimes you need a little pick-me-up. I mean, Mike, you know, I know you haven't necessarily used this product, but you could see the usefulness, right? Like, if... Oh, yeah. If, yeah, I can definitely see the usefulness. If somebody wanted to last a little bit longer, you know, like, I mean, I, you know, you don't necessarily have to have erectile dysfunction to want to have a four-hour erection. I hear that Blue Chew puts the uh, fun in erectile dysfunction. That's right. I guess we should, yeah, we should make it clear. We're talking about Blue Chew now. So, Blue Chew is the first chewable erectile dysfunction medication uh, that means that it's going to go to work a hell of a lot faster than swallowing that old blue pill. You don't even want to, you don't even want to mess with that thing. That's going to take forever. So you want to go to bluechew.com. Uh, it says here that's blue, like the color blue. Yep. Chew like the color chew. Right. I, I guess maybe. To, to not confuse it with blue, like B L E W. Yeah, we don't need it. This is an American website. It's not in French. Right. So, yeah. well, I guess that, yeah. Uh, so, you want to go to bluechew.com to get some, uh, you know, it's an FDA approved medication. So, you know, it's got all the same is stuff. It, yeah. Is this like a Viagra or is it like a kind of like a, you know, the generic version? Because I think you could get a generic now. Yeah, it basically is so it's it has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it's uh it's yeah, it's a generic, it's chewable, it's uh way cheaper than than any of those medications. Um hmm. <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to read this, but it it wants me to add uh, <laughs> a personal endorsement. Oh no. <laughs> uh talk about my personal experience. And convey the difference that Blue Chew makes. So, um... You've said many times before that you have trouble getting an erection, so maybe this is the perfect product for you. (laughs) 
It is true that before Blue Chew, I was forced to use tongue depressors and uh, <laughs> and tape and tape <laughs> and rubber bands as like a splint. But oh now God. with Blue Chew, uh, the tongue depressors are left to the tongues. And, and there's what? something else on the tongue. I don't there. know if you want to use that in this context. <laughs> Let's play doctor. Hey, that's not a light. But, uh, you know, dudes, if you could, uh, let's rap, guys. If you could, if you could benefit from, <laughs> for, from some extra function. And, you want a super hard cock. Go and to confidence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, pretty much. So, uh, now here's the thing. Right now, we get, Blue Chew's got a special deal for all of our listeners, okay? If you go to bluechew.com. Uh, you get your first shipment free when you use our promo code late fee. That's L A T F E E. Uh, you thought they would have gone with massive for the uh, promo code on this one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just all you've got to do is use uh, all you have to pay is uh, $5 shipping, but you get, uh, you know, your first uh, your first bottle free. I mean, what the hell? Why not do that? Uh, that's blue B L U E. Chew.com promo code late fee to try it for free. Uh, and then their tagline you pro- is You provide the late fee, they'll provide the massive. Exactly. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Uh, and we thank for them for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you. Uh, we can't say that it cures a disease. That's one of the, that's one of the restrictions. I guess that's an FDA oh. restriction. Yeah, is is this? Uh, maybe I should not ask you about this up here. <laughs> <laughs> if erectile dysfunction is a disease, no, I thought that. Uh, I, I, I okay, cut this out if you need to. Okay, isn't this just like a generic Vi- Viagra kind of thing? Yeah. So what? So if it's a medicine, then why couldn't you say those claims? You know, because I don't FDA, think. I mean, I don't is think it's like for an anything. off-label kind of. Oh, oh, I see. You can't even say like like Tylenol's a cure for headaches or anything like that. Correct. Yeah, I don't. I think like I think the FDA just basically like in in, um, in endorsements, uh, you can't you can't claim that anything cures anything definitively. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So like, do you need like a prescription then? Like, do they like when you call the website, do they give you a prescription? No. Yeah. It's not. It's non-prescription. You can just you can just go to the website, uh, order it up. Huh. How does that? I don't understand how that works. Things I thought Viagra was like a controlled uh, kind of medication. You know, I think a lot of them are are off. Uh, are I mean, not necessarily over the counter, but I think most of them are like you know, you just need a uh, a basic check, to make sure your your heart is healthy enough. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Well, that's that's a really good deal. Then you know, like a free bottle or just using our code. Yeah, and you can uh, you can take it out of an empty stomach. Huh. That's what it says. Because I mean, who doesn't want to eat a full meal before you get to plowing? Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is a good point. It's nice that you you don't have to you don't have to have anything in your stomach. Uh, yeah. You know, soon she'll have something in her stomach. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, but anyway, so on to the news today. Uh, so we've got I've got a new drop. Uh, anytime we talk about Disney news, so. Uh, you know, like just right before we talk about Disney news, I'll talk about it. So uh, here's something new that Disney's doing. That's right, Mike. Ever since Disney bought the rights to Star what? Wars, they've been making bigger plans than Hitler. 
So, <laughs> so the uh, Disney Plus is planning a Mighty Ducks reboot. Oh, get out of here! Yep, it's uh, it's happening. Is a uh, is Jesse Small going to be in this one too? <laughs> Guys, you wouldn't believe what the Hawks did to me last. <laughs> You're right. We wouldn't. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they uh, they drove me they drove me down to uh, their ice rink uh, outdoors and uh, hey it's it's June, right? Um, so apparently, the Mighty Ducks is gonna have a reboot uh, on Disney Plus. It will shoot from January tenth, twenty twenty, to June first, twenty twenty in Vancouver, uh, presumably because they've got a lot of tax breaks there. We don't it's know. Been a long time for a Mighty Ducks movie. Do you need like three months to, or not three months? Is it January to June? That's like five months. February, February to June, yeah. But it's well, it's so it's four gonna be for Mighty Ducks. It's gonna be a TV show. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense then. But it's so I guess it's, it's gonna focus on a thirteen-year-old boy uh, who gets kicked off the junior division of a Mighty Ducks team, and his mom decides to start their own team, which sounds a lot like Little Giants. And it sounds like in real life, Disney would sue them mightily, like, you know, as soon as they could. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, you can't use our likenesses, and when little kids die, they can't uh, have Spider-Man at their funeral. What, he was at the grave? Well, he got in the grave. Because just having Spider-Man show up at the funeral was really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> like, like, he'll web the coffin and gently lower it down. <laughs> I don't think they meant that. Oh my god! <laughs> Tom Holland's just uh, like, I'm sorry about your passings. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's English. Like, um, do the American accent, you dick. You know what's funny? So, uh, I'm sure you've heard that Christian Bale rants uh, about the lights and everything yeah. on the Terminator thing. What is the most amazing thing to me about that is that he doesn't once lose his American accent <laughs> when he's doing that. Because he's, like, Welsh. And he doesn't, yeah, he, he never things. goes to that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, so, uh, another uh, Star Wars news. Uh, that's right, Mike. Ever since Disney bought the rights to Star Wars, they've been making bigger plans than Hitler. Maybe I should just do that once for like the, a block of yeah. Star Wars news. Yeah, I, I do think it's hilarious bad. though. Yeah, it seems it, it seems like it sounds like it's breaking up on my end, which is weird because nothing else is. Unlike that last week horrible incidents of a recording. Oh no, you are crystal clear. Everything is doing. Everything's going very well. Good. But uh, so Star Wars apparently is going on hiatus following the new movie, according to Bob Iger. At least as far as the movies go. So I guess in a, this is what counts as news now, or this is what counts as entertainment now, I guess. In a, a conference call with shareholders, a Cinema Blend reports that Bob Iger is quoted as saying, uh, in the Star Wars case, Star Wars 9, which comes out this December, will be the last, I love that he has to tell shareholders that uh will be the last of the skywalker saga and will go into a hiatus for a few years before the next star wars feature of course the mandalorian is uh on gonna be on disney plus and i i have a feeling 
There, well, I think the Obi Wan thing is supposed to be a sh- TV show too. So there's there's definitely some stuff they're going to be doing uh, on TV. Star Wars will still be in our everyday lives <laughs> until we're all dead. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I know you love Star Wars. Oh, I actually don't like it at all. <laughs> More Disney news. Uh, FX is now going to stream exclusively on Hulu. It's uh, it's moving over to Hulu, and they're going to create at least four original show- shows for Hulu. Disney, of course, uh, now also owns Hulu, as well as FX and the rest of Fox's cable uh, output, uh, aside from... Fox Sports and their yes. cable news stuff. Oh, that, that'd be convenient for me because uh, I try to watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I have to go to the FX website, but if it's on Hulu, you know, I already have Hulu. You know, it's easier to navigate for the most part. Yep, it's going to stream directly from there. And I think this is the beginning of what's going to happen is that uh, TV channels are going to just move to whatever streaming company they you know, whoever owns them owns. So like oh, yeah. all of Disney stuff will, will eventually go over to Hulu. I think ABC probably will as well. And then they'll say, Hey, you know, we've got all this content over here. Get our shit. Yeah. But yeah, no, no real solid uh, plans about it. Other than the fact that this, uh, apparently this is going to start in the spring of 2020. And there are a few, uh, let's see. Uh, something called A Teacher, which is a lim- uh, limited series uh, by writer-director Hannah Fidel, based on her film of the same name. Okay. We'll explore an intimate connection between a Claire. What is a what? And what? a Claire? Like, Bet- a, like the donut? No, between A and then space C-L-A-I-R-E, like the name. But why does it say A Claire? Played by Kate Mara, anyway. Know. A female... Oh, okay, it's a typo. It should have just said, between Claire, Kate Mara, a female high school teacher, and Eric, an underage male student. Oh, it's one of those. Okay. Hmm. That's fair. So, that's uh, that's happening in the spring. And then, finally, a lot of news this week. I actually came prepared. But, f- finally... Well, I, just re- I just remembered that I have to look up a... Uh... A couple of websites. <laughs> okay. But uh, in non-Disney news, Scream 5 is in early development at Spyglass Media. There is nothing confirmed about this at all other than the fact that apparently they had a meeting and said, hey, let's make a Scream 5. And I guess that's official because they don't know huh. if anyone's coming back. That you know, they don't I mean, know let's the- be honest. Uh, what else were those people doing? Yeah, Nev Campbell and well, it's funny because in here they say, they say, we don't know if any of the old cast is coming back. I.e., Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Rose McGowan. Who uh, she was killed in the first one, yeah, so she's probably not coming back. Died in the first movie, I know. And then because they say also we don't know if it's a prequel, a reboot, or a sequel. So, I mean, I guess if it was a prequel, I don't know why. They'd make a prequel. I mean, if they made a prequel, I don't know why they'd make it focused on Sydney or her friends at all. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be bad. I mean, because you know the whole like you know mythology or whatever mm-hmm. of Scream. They actually 
even though I didn't like the third movie that much, they really kind of did neatly tie it all together. I don't know if that was really the intent at first, you know, when they made the trilogy. Right. I mean, but, but I mean, yeah, it, 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 it is neatly tied together. So, I mean, a prequel could make sense, but I mean, you would already know what happened if you had, you know, yeah. seen any of the other movies. And Rose McGowan certainly wouldn't be in it if it was a prequel. Uh, no, not if it's, I mean, if it was a prequel, I guess they could do the same, like, anti-aging technology. Or am I not allowed to say that because it's a woman? No, I think you're, I think we're fine. For now. Okay. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, I don't know if she's still, didn't she retire from acting or something too? And I don't know. Is it still owned by, is, is, is it owned by an offshoot of the Weinstein company still? Because that was like one of the first like big, like Weinstein movies was the first Scream. It says. Which is an excellent movie. That's, 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 that was like an instant classic. I mean. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, it very, it, I love the, the original Scream is, is fantastic. Even watching it today, it's sold up. Uh, apparently, so uh, Spyglass bought the library from Dimension Films. So, because uh, I, I guess they joined forces with something called Lantern Entertainment. So apparently, they Dimension, uh, I, I believe, was an offshoot of the Weinstein Company. So they must have they must have bought all that that uh, all those properties. Uh. Which makes sense why they want to reboot it because. Hey, we brought we bought these properties. Let's get some use out of them. Right. But anyway, so yeah, that's, I don't, that's not interesting to me, really. Well, the the last thing of this deadline article is ridiculous to me because <laughs> they say, but that would be cool if they brought Drew Barrymore back for a full film after she was in the opening scene of the 1996 original pick. They clearly did not see this movie. I mean, or is this going to be like one of your fabled? Uh... What do they call it when they get at the same time? Yeah. Yes, intercools. No, I think, I mean, I'm guessing they, they're thinking, yeah, either they didn't see the movie. Midquel, isn't that what it was? Midquel? Yeah, something like that. But uh, I, I, um, I, th- I, either they didn't see the movie or they're assuming that Drew Barrymore's existence in the movie as her character before the beginning was somehow interesting. I don't, she was just the I, first I don't victim. See how. Yeah, she just broke up with uh, one of the characters is all that happened, really. Yeah, ridiculous. I don't know. Anyway, that's... Spoiler alert, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert that she broke up with one of the characters. And that she got killed, I suppose. Although, that happens right at the beginning of the movie. I mean, come on. Uh, Spock dies in, in Star Trek Two. Spoiler. So that's it for the news. Uh... Now we're going to do Keeping Current with Mike. Mike, this is where, as you know, and listeners, this is where we plumb the depths of the celebrity gossip and try to figure out what's going on because Mike and I don't... Well, Mike is more adept at this than I am, I think. This is really more of an educating me segment. But, uh, Mike, where, where are we going? Where are we getting our gossip oh. from? Well, I, I always fall back to my favorite when I can't find anything good. Uh, so Bossip. we're going to Bossip.com. Nice. Yep, you called it. Bossip is my favorite as well. And if you recall, uh, last uh, last time we did this um, at Media Takeout, we uh, discussed a story revolving regarding a B two K. Yeah, the BTK killer. Yeah, the oh, I, by the way, I also found out what that was. It was actually called BB Mac. Was the British group? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, with her hit single "Back Again" or something like. 
we have B2K. Uh, so our first story is actually about uh, Omarion, who we all know is uh, the lead singer of uh, B2K. Yeah, and his mom's getting fucked by that guy or something? Yeah, the other guy's uh, fucking his mom from yeah. we gathered last week. Nice. All right. The first story, yikes, April, spelled A-P-R-Y-L, which I don't understand, mm-hmm. says Omarion pays a measly $350 per kid in child support, allegedly lies about income despite. Wow. Well, I pay uh, more than child support, so for the one the one child that I pay child support for, so yeah, for my the one first you got marriage. paper, right? Exactly that I know about. Yeah, I don't know how many. It says per kid, so I wonder how many there are. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, apparently someone at Bossip or and or Takeout Media hates uh, Omari. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing. Um, I looked up April and it, it, April Jones came up. Apparently she's a TV personality, I guess. But one of the first things that comes up for her uh, is a headline. I'm trying to see where this is from. This is from Madame Noir, whatever that is. Um, it says April Jones says she was not shitting on Omarion's pee-pee. What the fuck? Like, does it mean literally like she's defecating at it or she's like making uh, derogatory comments? Oh, apparently. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so apparently she had said somebody that she was with now is the best dick of my life. Uh, but she says uh, she uh, wasn't attempting to insult Omarion with that. It's not all about Omarion, okay? Oh, wait, apparently she's dating someone named Lil Fizz. We discussed Lil Fizz before, I think. We did? Yeah, I cannot remember what it was, but I remember you were listing names of people on something, and one of them was Lil Fizz. Lil Fizz. Yes. Uh, but anyway, so April Jones was born in Illinois, uh... She has two children, apparently. Um, Amei Kazuko Grandberry and Mega, with two A's, uh, Omari Grandberry. Uh, she's on the show Love and Hip Hop Hollywood. Of course. That's all I got about her. Is, isn't Omarian also on the show? So maybe that's how he's making his money. I would assume, I, I yes. I don't know too much about uh, B2K, you know, being uh, out there. Currently. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, they were in jail, right? Or no, is he dead? Is Dennis Rader dead? Dennis Rader? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, he's in jail. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was alive or they killed him or what. Fuck, this I dude's only 5'6". Yeah, he doesn't seem very large. Bump, bump, bump. So he is on, well, his website is omarianworldwide.com. Oh. So good for for him. Uh, Let's see. He is on, yes. Love and Hip Hop Hollywood? Yes, he is on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood. This seems like it's been on for a while. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't. Is it on E or something? I don't think I've ever seen it, but uh, I, it seems like it's been on for a while. I'm gonna guess that it's on VH1. 
That's my could be. That's my guess because it sounds terrible. It's on VH1. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Oh my god. I feel like E has a lot of terrible shows as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's also uh, available on Hulu, apparently. Well. And Philo, if you have a subscription to that, a subscription to that, I don't even know what that is. I like how uh, if they were both both on the same show, how could he lie about his income? Because you probably have a good idea of what he's making. It's probably at least as much as she's making. You know. You would think. I mean, he's got to at least be making scale, right? I'm sure it's more than that. Yeah. I mean, if it's popular enough to have, be on, it's probably such a low production, you know, cost for the show. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah, so that's uh, the first story. Our second story, I'm sure you've heard about this, has been, like, all over the uh, news channels I lurk around. Uh, Ginny, this is not this particular, but the subject of it. Ginny Maul tried to defend T.I.'s hymen checking hijinks, which is hilarious, by the way, and got snowman shredded on Twitter. I've never heard of any of this. <laughs> You haven't heard about the... Uh, do you know who T.I. is? He's a rapper. I've heard of T.I., yeah. Yeah, he was... Uh, he, he had a show. It was called, like, T.I. and, like, his wife or something. I hear T.I. and Tiny or something like that. But, uh, yeah, he's a rapper. Um, apparently, uh, like, he said something, like, I don't know what prompted it. I'm sure... It, it, I don't know how... I really don't know how this came up. Like, I, I don't know why anyone would volunteer this information. But, like, his daughter, like, whenever he, like, goes to the doctor, he requests that they check to see that her hymen is still intact. What the fuck?! Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, what the fuck? It's so weird. But like his son, his, like one of his sons is like 13, and he's like, oh, he's a man now. He can, you know, go ahead and do what he wants sexually. Holy shit. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah I'm sorry you haven't heard about that. I've heard about that story like a lot this week. Might as well just buy her a chastity belt. What the f- How old is his daughter? Um, I, I think I read that she's now 18, Um, but I'm not sure if he has more. I think he said he had six kids, so I don't know. What various ages they're at or anything like that. Huh. Yeah, so apparently this Jenny Mall person tried to defend that. Well, good for her? Which, again, uh, Hyman checking hijinks is hilarious. Good job there, boss. <laughs> what? What's her name? Jenny what? Oh, I think it's M-A-L or M-A-I, I think. Jenny M-A-L. Okay. Oh, what, snow- what, what does snowman shredded mean? I don't understand that phrase. Snowman shredded. Okay. Well, Jenny Mao is my Jenny Mai um, so. is an American television personality. She is best known for How Do I Look? Huh. USA's character fantasy and the syndicated talk show The Real. She's pro- this looks like it might be the real that this is there's like a very blurry picture like taken and it seems like it's from like you know four women are sitting next to each other i think the real is like that kind of show uh so what is it called uh snowball shredding <laughs> uh no that's when you spit the uh, shred back in the other person's mouth yeah uh, snowman shredded is what they say <laughs> that's that's the part that's confusing me on this let's see snow not with an l snowman shredded let's see what that means uh, let's see. Make a snowman that shreds. <laughs> it's a baby center thing. Let's see. Snowman shredded. Uh, let's see. Uh, fuck. Uh, slang. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Ur- Urban dictionary might have it. Yeah. 
Read the, oh wait, okay, Snowman, Urban yeah, Dictionary. Uh, a word used in reference to a Coke dealer that you do not personally know. That's dumb. <laughs> I love, I, I love that there's, there's a word for a Coke dealer you don't personally know. <laughs> oh my god! Is that what they call uh, Tim Allen the Snowman? Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it, on uh, one of the episodes of Home Improvement, it was like a claymation one, and like a, he he was like a, there was a snowman on there that I think he was. What? <laughs> what um. So what, what? How? What context was this used in again? Um, she was like a, a, she was apparently defending the practice of him checking her, uh, having her oil checked once a year. Uh huh. But what? And it, it, how did it say snowman shredded? It said she got snowman shredded. Oh, okay. So she got. Let's see. She got. So she got like cocaine shredded. I don't. I don't get that. I, I don't understand what this means. No. Huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that. Jack Frost. I guess. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's what I have uh, this week for uh, keeping current with Mike and educating Mark. Nice. All right. Well, we will move on to the uh, the Parents Guide game where we each read a listing of entries in the Parents Guide on IMDb for a film or a film and the other person has to try to guess what we're talking about. That's right. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So, under sex and nudity, uh, some sexual dialogue, women showing cleavage, and a man's bare butt. Huh. Cleavage? Not like breasts? Yeah, it just says women showing cleavage. Um, don't stop or my mom will shoot. No, I should do that at some point, though. Uh, let's see. Violence and gar. Uh, non-graphic shootouts. Some comical violence of people being hit with objects or running into things. Jeez. Uh, idiocracy. No. Let's see. Profanity. Uh, a few F words said and other swear words throughout the movie. Uncle Buck. No. I think there's only two more left in here. It's a Slim Pickens. But, uh, okay. Oh, Slim Pickens? Um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Shit. Uh, Dr. Strangelove. No. Uh, rated PG-13 for some strong sexual references and brief violence. That's under sex little... and nudity for some reason. Little Giants. No. <laughs> Could you imagine the F word in Little Giants? That'd be great. Give me the fucking ball. Come on, refrigerator, get off your fucking ass. Uh, yeah. For those of you playing at home, Mike just restrained himself from calling a uh, 11-year-old a bitch. <laughs> 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 um, I still said it in my heart, though, and that's where it counts. A man mispronounces swear words, saying things like <laughs> cork soaker 
and farging oh, ice okay. holes. Okay, yeah, so okay, we finally got to this. It's Johnny Dangerously. Correct. Yeah, all the other clues are just so generic. <laughs> yeah, really. Gen- and there's some stuff that happens in that movie that's worthy of the parent's guide. Uh, yes, there definitely is. <laughs> uh, those Fargan ice holes. Are you uh, ready, Mark? Oh, I'm I'm as ready as if I just took some blue chew. <laughs> I thought I heard some scratching <laughs> on the table. I heard some coming from underneath. <laughs> uh, is that your personal endorsement? Yeah, that's right. All right, clue number one. A married woman kisses another man. True lies. No. Although I think I, I I was gonna do that, but I think I already did that one. Maybe. And I also was gonna pick screen, but I think I already did that one, so it's neither of those. Okay. Let's see. Some male on male kissing at a rave. Male on male kissing at a rave. Interesting. Oh, uh, is that interesting, Mark? That's very interesting. I don't need blue chew uh, when that's happening. <laughs> you uh... need the antidote to blue chew. <laughs> Um, let's see. Interview with the vampire. Uh, no. I don't think they go to any raves in that one. I don't think raves existed yet. No. Only the end of that movie is, like, in modern times. A uh, young man uh, asks a girl if she'll give him a blowjob for 20 more bucks. Comedic, not serious. Go? That's correct. Nice. I remember the scene. I believe it's uh, it's what's her name? Uh, uh, Tom Cruise's ex-wife, Katie Holmes. Nicole Kidman from uh, <laughs> Interview with a Vampire. I think he's talking to. I think he's talking to Katie Holmes. I can't remember the name of the guy that plays that that drug dealer. Timothy Oliphant. Yes, that's right. Good old Timothy Oliphant. I think it's Elephant actually. Ah, uh, remember seeing the movie Elephant? Yeah, I saw that movie. That was pretty good. Yeah, we I, we watched it on uh, DVD together. Okay. But that was an interesting movie. Like every Gus Van Zandt movie I've seen is very interesting, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily something I need to see again. Yeah. No, I I agree. I I. I mean, it's like exhausting. There's like so much. Like you know, it's just fascinating to watch the movies. Or it's like you don't want to go through the experience again. Yeah, no, I do. I do like Gus Van Zandt in general. It's kind of funny that he did like a Hollywood kind of movie, like uh, Goodwill Hunting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen that. It might be. I can't imagine it's like his other movies though. No, it's not. It's 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 a lot different. It's not as dense. It's uh, you know, it's it. Well, yeah, Matt Damon's in it. So. <laughs> it's more. Speaking of dense, it's more Hollywood than you know any other Gus Van Zandt film with the exception of maybe Psycho I guess but um but it's not it's still like especially at the time it still felt like an indie movie but it just wasn't as like complex or or as interesting especially visually as a lot of his other movies it's really weird like in the movies like uh his other movies like the camera's like very alive like you could see it like Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's like you're really viewing things it's really interesting yeah Absolutely. He's very, yeah, he's very good with camera work, I think. One of the best. That's what they say. But speaking of one of the best, this week, Mike and I, uh, we tuned into to Netflix and we watched 
My name is Dolomite, starring uh, Eddie Murphy and, and I guess Wesley Snipes. I, I guess uh, Craig Robinson uh, from yeah. the, from the Office and Hot Tub Time Machine, isn't it? Oh, that was that was Wesley Snipes. I thought it was him. I wasn't sure though. Yeah, yeah, that was Wesley Snipes. It was was funny. I was thinking, like, oh, I wish someone would cast Wesley Snipes in something because you know, I mean, he's hasn't really been anything in a while that I've seen him in. I mm-hmm. mean, he's he's you know done his time and all that. I, I like Wesley Snipes. I did too. Uh, so, what did you what did you think of the movie overall? You know, I actually didn't like it that much. Really? Okay. So this will be good because we we so rarely disagree. And I loved it. So I'm. I, this will be interesting to talk about. So tell tell me what uh, what didn't you like about it? Well, first of all, I'd like to tell you about an amazing website. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> what what site is that? You ask. It's uh, who uh, mybookie.ag. I think. Oh, you got it. <laughs> he got it. Yes, it's mybookie.ag. The best uh, bookie site on the internet around. I don't know how many there are, but this is yeah. the best one. It's the best. Yep. All, all those other ones suck. I'll tell you, uh, Dan has uh, the the one of the owners of the the company here that we work for. Um, he's uh, he's been using my bookie. He he's made. I, I won't say how much, but he's made quite a bit of money on uh, on parlays and, and everything. Just doing like um, like a twenty five dollar bet here and there uh, and, and everything. He's he's been making some uh, some decent money on on my bookie. So nice. you definitely you definitely want to check it out. Uh, you know, between football season, uh, the NBA, you know, college basketball starting up, it's time to get off that sideline. If you want to bet on uh, Mr. T and uh, Rocky Three, exactly the the Washington Generals. <laughs> you bet on the fight Rocky, ar- and you bet against Rocky. I read a really fascinating article by one of the guys who was in the Washington Generals. It was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, but it's like uh, it, it was just really like how much he traveled, and it was a really like kind of funny. Like people, like, it, it it was just it's a long article, but if you look like. The Washington Generals uh, captain. It's it's a really good article. Like traveled on the court. Like he 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 got away with a lot of traveling calls. Is that what you mean? Oh no, the uh, the generals never get away with that bullshit. <laughs> I mean, the fucking globetrotters. They could bring a goddamn uh, chair into the arena and just bash him over the face with it. Seriously. Sure. Uh, but uh, so like I like I was saying with Dan, you know, he loves the parlays. And it, I mean, it's great. He, like he bets. Uh, okay, so I'll give I'll give one bet away. Sorry, Dan. He bet twenty five bucks, and I can't remember. It was three different bets, a uh, couple college games, and he made like three hundred and fifty bucks on the twenty five dollar bets. Nice. So yeah, he's uh, he's been doing well with it. He was uh, very happy with it today. So if you want, you know, this kind of uh, this kind of excellence. You need to go to mybookie.ag, and right now, if you join mybookie.ag, they will give you a fifty percent deposit bonus. So if you if you put in a thousand dollars, they will give you a three a free five hundred dollars if you use our promo code late fees. That's late fees, all caps, L A T E F E E S. That is our uh, our offer code. So go to 
to mybookie.ag and and you know you play you win you get paid yep all right mark i know you really uh you really seem to like this movie from the little you've discussed uh <laughs> you're more fired up than a guy who's got a delivery from a bluetooth.com <laughs> yeah um that is true real quick though before we before we continue i want to I want to tell you guys about no. I, I want it's not another commercial. I it is another commercial, but it's not another. What? It's not another paid commercial. I just want uh, I just want you guys to I want you guys to um, to hear one of the other fabulous podcasts that we have on our network, and this is one of our good friends. Uh, they talk about Boy Meets World. They talk about uh, music on Off the Tracks. They talk about scary shows on Half Hour Haunts. It's uh, Boar Meets World, the Boar brand. Uh, take a listen to these dudes. I'm Kyle. This is Steven. Together we host a show called Boar Meets World. Tell them what we cover on Boar Meets World. Boy Meets World. But that's not all, is it? No. Now we cover life experiences. Ours. Oh, son of a <laughs> Just check out the show, please. We really, <laughs> we really need it. Okay, we need a win. Just check us out. We talk about the show Boy Meets World. Each episode of our show, we run parallel for an episode of Boy Meets World, where we will examine the show. That's way too much. What happens? You know, our life, how it relates to it, experiences. I can't believe you're still recording. I am recording. This. <laughs> check it out, guys. You'll get some hilarious stories from me and Steven from our childhood. You'll get a great... <laughs> ah, I lost it. So that was Poor Meets World. Uh, you definitely want to check them out. They're, they're hilarious. But yeah, Mike, I I do like this movie uh, quite a bit. So basically, for those of you that don't know, this movie is about the life of Rudy Ray Moore, uh, who was the creator of... Well, sort of the creator of Dolomite, uh, as they point out in the movie, Dolomite was a like a, a slave story, basically. I guess is how they put it, sort of like folklore kind of thing. Like a folk hero kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. So, but he, you know, he created the this character based around uh, Dolomite, and he. Uh, there were a lot of things I didn't I didn't know about him because I've seen I've seen he I think he made. Uh, like nine or ten movies, and I've seen I've seen most of them, uh, including Petey Wheatstraw, which is where he fights the devil, and uh, and um, you know some of, some of the other ones that he that they've done, Dolmite, obviously, but uh, I didn't realize that he started out as a stand-up comedian and, and kind of toured around. Well, he started out in music, so. One of the things I, I think I find interesting about Rudy Ray Moore is he basically is one of these people that wanted to be famous and tried like basically literally everything he could. He just he would not give up on trying to be famous. And uh, and that's interesting. But the thing that I think makes the movie carry like this carries the film the entire way from beginning to end is the performance of Eddie Murphy, who is absolutely fantastic in the movie. There are so many moments, because Rudy Ray Moore was this guy that just, especially in the persona uh, on on stage, was just a guy that, like, yelled. I mean, what was funny about him 
was basically just like that what that part that they show at the end of the movie one of the funniest parts of dolomite where he's like uh where he says oh come on bitch oh bitch please and just like he he had this very as dolomite he had this very strong presence of you know like just screaming and everything but uh um eddie murphy playing rudy ray more off screen there are so many quiet moments of just a little bit of self self doubt or contemplation and eddie murphy is just absolutely fantastic in this movie did you at least like his performance oh no i thought he sucked <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, he was. It, that might actually be part of the reason why I didn't care for that much. Mm-hmm. It, 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 this was almost like a documentary. It wasn't really. It didn't seem like a biopic. I mean, he's just perfect in this movie. You know? Yeah. Oh, for I sure. Mean, Eddie Murphy. I mean, you know, for those who are not who are only familiar with like you know the latter part of his catalog, you know, where they have like Norbit and uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. he's, he's an amazing actor. You know, even from a young age, like. As Norm Macdonald points out, at one point, like the guest, the guest canceled on Saturday Night Live, and he was like 19 years old, and he just like, like you know, like okay, I'll host the show, and he pulled it off, no problem. He was just like, he's like genius. Eddie Murphy's a genius. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, he hilarious, and like you said, I mean, he is a very skilled actor, uh, like very naturally good actor. I think he had a lot of hype for the movie Dream. Uh, was it Dream Girls a few years mm-hmm. ago? I don't know if he was nominated or won or anything like that, but I, he definitely should be nominated for like an Emmy for this. You know, it's I mean, unless it's unless they're gonna play it, you know, in theaters and it could be nominated for an, you know an Oscar. I mean, he's 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 a great in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. He he's he's phenomenal in the film, and I like Wesley Snipes a lot in the movie too. Actually, um, he he's playing like he's. I don't think he's ever really played this type of character before he's got a lot of like at first i thought you know maybe he might but i mean i you see him with a woman at first but he's very he's got this like kind of feminine quality to him to his mannerisms and his way about him and i think it's just more like he's uh he's very superior like he's very posh superior uh, almost almost like affects an English accent at times. Right. And he's just, he looks down at all of us and he's fantastic. I, and I like, I'm a big fan of Wesley Snipes as well. And I like, as like, like you are. And I, I, I think he's, he's, he's also awesome in this movie. Yeah. He's really in uh this is a rare, uh, good performance by Chris Rock as well. Because <laughs> I, was... I think it's because I think, at least because he's like so limited. I mean, I like Chris Rock a lot, like his comedy, you know, he's a very funny person, but he, he is not a good actor, and I don't know what it is. Like, he can never play anyone but himself, but that persona works really good for, like, a, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a DJ-type person who, like, you know, very aggressively, you know, helps. Well, let's talk, you talk a little bit about the story. Um, like you said, it starts off, he's trying to, you know, break into music. That's not quite working out for mm-hmm. him. Then he, uh, he he gets into stand-up, but he's not really good at that either. But then he kind of gets the idea to use, like, this uh, this Dolomite character. And he goes to an older, like, uh, a guy who like, kind of, like, you know, tell, he pays him. I can't remember how much he pays, but he gives him some money to tell him more about this doll in my character. Yeah, he's got, like, a stack of dollar bills. And then he just, he goes to where all the, the bums are. And he's like, tell me your stories. And he records all these stories. And I was watching it with my wife, and, and she Carol was like, um, so what, he just stole all this stuff? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. And then, you know, if the movie's to be believed... 
Not really. He, I mean, he got a lot of his inspiration for like the patter and how to talk and, and everything from this, but you know, he, he, did, he workshopped a lot of the, uh, as you can see in the, in the, the scenes, he workshopped a lot of the, the actual lines and kind of changed them, morphed them. But, you know, and the thing is, is I feel like, cause he like Rudy Ray Moore and, you know, a, as, as, um, Eddie Murphy plays him, I think this is accurate, was a very strong performer and a naturally funny person. If you see his movies, I think he, he is a naturally funny person. Um, but I think as we kind of see at the beginning, because he's, he's emceeing for this band, uh, that, that Craig Robinson's, uh, leading and he's, he's just not good. Like his jokes are pretty lame and, and he has no confidence. He has no stage presence, but when he dresses up as this Dolomite character, when he becomes this character, he, he creates a presence. And I think that's a big part of what sells it. I asked my wife because he starts doing these jokes and I want to ask you too, because I don't know the answer. I think I know the answer, but I'm not sure. Um, he starts doing a lot of these jokes and some of them are okay. Some of them are kind of funny, I guess. But do you think like everyone's fucking loving it? And apparently that's what it was, what it was really like in the early seventies uh, as well. Do you think this is a black thing and I don't understand it because I'm white? Or do you think it's a 1970s thing? What, the jokes? Yeah, the fact that everyone thinks these jokes are funny, and for the most part, I didn't. You mean everybody in the movie or everybody like in real life? Well, everyone in the movie is obviously losing their shit, and apparently yeah, yeah. that's what it was like in real life as well when he started touring. Yeah, I think it's it's a hundred percent a generational thing. That's know? what I think too. Yeah, like look back at any like look at look look back at like uh, Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. I'm sure not one thing he says will make you laugh, but it, you know at the time it was like seeing like Marilyn Manson like his you know peak you know like so full of like you know like dark like you know mysticism like mm-hmm. oh my god it's Lenny Bruce you know but if you heard like one of his jokes you'd be like okay this guy like you know was like being arrested and shit for this. You know what? You know what? I, I immediately thought of was the National Lampoon when that first came out, like in the or like before Saturday Night Live, around the same time in the early seventies. And I thought, like, you know, if you if you read one of those old ones, or if you listen to like their Radio Hour uh, from way back then, it's not, or, or even Saturday Night Live, which a lot of those performers got from the National Lampoon. A lot of those writers came from the National Lampoon and the performers uh, like Gilda Radner and and Dan Aykroyd and everything and and Bill Murray. Uh, So if you if you watch like the first season or two of Saturday Night Live, it's the same thing. It's not funny, but it's not even a little funny. But everyone in the 70s thought that John Belushi was the most hilarious thing in the world, apparently. And I think it's the same thing. I think it's. I don't necessarily think it's a black or white thing. I mean, I think there's maybe a little bit of that because they do do they do allude to that a little bit in the movie. But I think mostly it's a like you said, it's a generational thing. Honestly, I think when they say it in the movie, they're saying it because they're being racist. Yeah, like the, partially. In the movie, they're saying, oh, you know, only only blacks would like these stupid jokes. But uh, obviously, humor. You know, be, there's a lot of crossover between black and white. You know, Hispanic and mm. you know every ethnicity. 
of comedian because comedy is like a universal language in a lot of respects. I mean, yeah, sure, there's specific, you know, references to culture that only certain people get. And I mean, right. some people's entire career is built out of like being so obscure. Like Aziz Ansari, I, I don't, I don't understand why people like him. I don't find him funny at all. But yeah. I, I mean, clearly, a ton of people find his humor to be funny, and it's not, it's not, it's not that his humor is bad. It's just not, you know, it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, comedy that I just, I, I, you know, I like a more aggressive, like, harsh form of comedy that's, you know, or, like, just completely absurd. That's mm. really my, you know, what I'm into comedy-wise. But, I mean, I just, I, I just think that's what it is. It's, it's, I mean, look at uh, Steve Martin. Like, look at a Steve Martin stand-up performance. Oh, from, like, yes. Have you ever seen those, like, in early, like from the yep. 80s? And he's packing, like, stadiums, and everyone's just, like, losing their shit. You know, it's like, the, they're like, you, you he, he can't, he has to stop, you know, and wait forever to tell the next joke. But... None of that is funny, and on any level to me, I don't find any of it even remotely funny. I don't. In fact, I don't understand why people are finding it funny. That's how unfunny it is to me. No, uh, agreed. Like I, because I've seen his act from I think it's like seventy eight, seventy nine, or something like that. Like he toured for like three years or whatever. And like you said, he was absolutely packing like fifty thousand people into auditoriums, uh, doing this stuff where he's got a, a thing on his head that makes it look like an arrow's going through his head. You know, and I've watched it. I've like I've tried to. I've started to watch because I'm a big fan of stand up comedy just like you are. So I try to you know, I try to watch basically everything, at least as much as I can stand of of some stuff. Uh, because I never know when I'm gonna find a you know a gem somewhere. But, you know, out of curiosity I started watching this and I think I maybe got 15 or 20 minutes into it. And I was like, I can't fucking do this. I'm like, what is funny? This is just painfully bad. And I think that, I think yeah, that's, I mean, of course we have to acknowledge that, you know, I mean, all comedy is much like math. It's built on, you know, the predecessors. So I mean, right. we wouldn't have like, you know, like we would have someone like Norm Macdonald if we didn't have like a, uh, what's the guy's name? HL Minky, you know, yes. back in the thirties, you know, that's, you know, that's, I mean, it's all standing on the shoulders of giants, but at the same time, I mean, you wouldn't want a car that was the basis for the most, current car out there like you wouldn't want a model t because mm-hmm. a model t is just it's, it's obsolete in a lot of ways and yep unfortunately as culture evolves you evolve out of and into different forms of comedy like 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 we've mentioned many times on our show if you take any like comedy from the 80s that's pg-13 or rated r you could just not have it made today and so, oh, yeah. for so many reasons yep and i and i think that steve martin is funny in certain things like i i there i've seen him in, in different i know you see him in cheaper by the dozen <laughs> right but but I think and it's funny because I think Steve Martin is aware that 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 he wouldn't be able to to do that today because he actually he was on comedians and cars getting coffee and Jerry Seinfeld I think quite erroneously said you know oh you could take that act on the road today and it would kill and Steve Martin immediately goes no 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 and he's like he like Jerry Seinfeld's like really and he's like. He goes, it was such a product of its time. I don't think there's any way that it would play today. And he's absolutely right. Oh yeah, 100% correct. So, I think he's I think he's fully aware and and you know, it obviously humor with generations it's just different because there's so much that goes into it like what's what's going on at the time, the zeitgeist of the time. Yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. is uh, and I'm Unless you're doing a certain form of jokes, like a one-liner type, like right. like Mitch Hedberg, his material is almost timeless, you know, in, yeah. a lot, in a sense. You could get into it from like, you know, you could go, oh god, you know, you could listen to it today, but then like, 
if you listen to any like so, a person who's like 18 years old you know and they want and they want to you know oh i saw this my doll of mine i want to you know look up eddie murphy if they saw eddie murphy raw it would just like blow their mind like, oh you know there's yes. that like, like i saw like a few years ago i'm like yeah i'll watch it and like i you know i always heard it was like the funniest thing ever and First of all, it wasn't, and that's not because Eddie Murphy's not funny. It's because it was a time shot of 1984. Oh, absolutely, yes. And, you know, I mean, language doesn't offend me, but, you know, like jokes about Mr. T and, you know, using mm -hmm. words that are very offensive nowadays. No, yeah. I mean, everybody's laughing their ass off. It's hilarious at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, even if you get your certain words from a certain time, then that just shows you how, you know, differently things are between the time periods. Like, I mean, humor is such a, you know time is of the essence thing i mean obviously timing and in, in, including you know uh year speaking wise you know chronologically speaking timing mm -hmm. is very important for comedy yep no i yeah I, absolutely and that's you know that that's the thing about like dolomite and some of these movies so sometimes you know things will and i so with this movie so i i, I guess where we left off so he's you know he starts this dolomite he character. starts this character and it gets really popular really mm -hmm. quickly yeah i mean it, it's it, i mean in real life you know I, it, may, it probably wasn't very quick but i mean and the, as portrayed in the movie it, it's just it skyrockets like dolomite is like almost like the jerky boys when their uh, albums first came out you know it spreads like wild yeah and it's the early 70s so he's touring like kind of all over the south basically he's doing the southern circuit and, and they call it the chit. That, that's actually a very uh, that that part I thought was really interesting. That's uh, what's known as the Chitlin Circuit, mm -hmm. which is like almost you know because of course, uh, especially in the South, there was you know um, the separate but equal doctrine where you know there were different you know clubs and mm -hmm. different bathrooms and different diners you know for blacks and whites, and the Chitlin Circuit was an important part. That was you know the all like you know all the great black comedians like uh, what's his name, a uh, Red Fox I believe was on yep. the Chitlin Circuit. Um, uh, I forget her name. The woman who was on was also on uh, Sanford and Son. You know who played uh, Ethel? Oh yes, yes. I can't Ethel, think but, of her name. But yeah. yeah, she's hilarious. About uh, I, I'm not even going to guess. I, I don't know what it is, but look her up. I mean, it's you know all these great. It's much like the Negro Leagues in baseball. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, and, and you know when you have everybody participating, you know, African Americans are you know as funny as or and you know in a lot of ways funnier than you know like the, some of the greatest comedians are African Americans. But mm -hmm. so you know. It, they they couldn't compete. It was like them versus like what like uh, what's his name? The guy uh, who did the Tonight Show, the first the first Tonight Show guy. Oh, um, uh, Steve Allen. Yeah, Steve Allen. I mean, Steve Allen. I mean, you could put Steve Allen against Red Fox, and there's no question who's the funnier of the two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Red Fox is just funny hearing anecdotes about him. You know, right? Like, like supposedly he would like you know when he was on Sanford and Son, he would just like. Always bed the co-star, which is insane because he was like sixty years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, Red Fox is just someone who you can just look at, and he's like hilarious. Just his, yep. you know, his mannerisms. He's, you know, wild. Lawanda Page. That's it, Lawanda Page. Yeah, yeah she is hilarious. I think there's a documentary about her on Netflix. I don't know if it's still up there, but I heard it's very good. I just haven't. Seen it. Oh, maybe we'll check it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, he goes on, he goes on tour there and everything. Cause like, you know, it's 1972 or 71 or whatever. And, um, you know, there, so there are little things in this that I like where it's clear that Rudy Ray Moore is, is clever, you know, cause he starts selling these records. Yeah. He, he's an amazing marketer as well. Yeah. He, he like, he starts, he st presses his own records and starts selling them and he puts this little devil on him. And one of his buddies is like, 
you know, how come you're putting the devil on him? He's like, I want, I want people to think they're illegal because <laughs> or the, they make it look like it's something illegal uh, that'll make right. people want to buy it. And he's like, oh, he's so right. But he was right about everything. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because he goes to the record thing, and the guy's like, "You can't play this on the radio. You can't can't put it in a record store. It's a family establishment. You can't promote it or market it in any way. It's worth nothing." And so and then he just like, starts selling it out of his car. And there's a nice cameo of a Soup Dog in that part. He's uh, yes. it was weird. I think he was the the DJ in the record store, which I I never knew that was an actual thing. Like, Me either. Uh, I'm sure it is, though. I mean, it's, um, it seemed pretty accurate, like, historically speaking. Yeah, and it makes it funny, too, because he's talking with Snoop Dogg. It, it's clearly, like, some sort of studio. So you think, like, he's trying to get his, his record on the air, and the guy's like, the guy's basically like, no, I'm not playing this. I only play the hits. I'm not playing this. And then he's like, fine, you know, uh, and then he walks out, and we realize he's not trying to get his record played, uh, like, across L.A. He's trying to get his record played on the overhead speakers in the store he manages. Right, right. <laughs> That's how low he's fallen. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's like a brilliant little uh, little kind of way to open the movie. Uh, the writers of this also wrote Ed Wood, which is another movie I, I like a I lot. I think that also made me not like this as much because I was constantly comparing it to Ed Wood because I thought it was going to be the same sort of movie. Like, you know, like a... like a. It's, this is more of like a straight drama. You yes. Know? It's not like a... Com- com- there, I wouldn't really say there's funny parts in it either. I mean, I can't think of any, um, I, at least to me, that were funny. Yeah, it's not, there's nothing that's, yeah, there's nothing overtly funny about the movie. It is pretty much a straight drama. Yeah, so I was kind of expecting, you know, especially with Eddie Murphy, who's a ta- obviously a talented you know, comedic actor as well. I mean, that I think I would have much preferred if it was almost like, Ed Wood was like almost over the top. He definitely could have leaned into that with like, you know, the type of like movies that were being made by uh, Rudy Ray Moore. Oh yeah, if they if they had made this like a biopic, but in the in the style of a black exploitation film, I could yeah. have seen that being really good. Actually, yeah, yeah, that would have been amazing. But um, but yeah, so he you know he tours around. He's doing pretty well. Uh, he he ends up getting picked up by some mobsters that own a business. Yeah, and they they put you know they put his record out and everything and and. He starts to actually climb up the Billboard uh, charts, and they're like, "Hey, get back here! Let's make some more records." So he starts making more records, and then um, he goes to, you know, he's making he's making some decent money, and he goes uh, out to the movies with uh, friend friends of his, and he sees uh, what was it, the Paper Chase or something like that? I can't remember now. I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was. I think it was one with uh, one of the guys from the Odd Couple. Jack Lemmon, maybe. Yeah, it was. It's Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Um, yeah, so maybe I think it was Paper Chase or something like that, but I don't remember. But yeah, they 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 correctly point out, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, that you know, all oh, there. This is not funny at all. People are laughing at this, and it's like the the least funny thing you've ever seen. It's, I mean, again, yes. maybe at the time, you know, that was funny for certain people, but it's probably something like the Big Bang Theory, where it's like a lot of people watch it, but you just don't know why. Yeah, exactly. Where yeah, it, it's not. It's not funny in any way. And, um, you know, like, like you said, it's, uh, that is more of like, I think a white person thing because, uh, front, uh, front page, I think that's what it was called. Something like that. But, um, but anyway, so he, he, uh, you know, they go, they go and see it and everything and all the white people in the audience are, are laughing and they're looking around and I like, 
I identified with the black guys in the audience because they're looking around like, what the fuck are people laughing at? Because I'm thinking like, yeah, this ain't funny in any way. Not at all. No. Um, and uh, so he's, you know, he says, hey, you know, I'm busting my ass going all over town and, you know, I want to get up on that light, as he says, that, uh, you know, that shines on the, the screen there. That's, you know, how you can be in every place at once and, and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that that is what you're going to do. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he clearly was successful, you know, with uh, his new career in comedy. And he, he was that's the next natural step. Mm hmm. Oh, and that's when he uh, he uh, picks up um, uh, Queen B, Lady uh, Lady Reed. Um, when he's on the the circuit, there he sees her, and he notices. Here's another thing too: he's good at at finding talent, because he looks at her and just like immediately he's like, "Oh yeah, I can see that she's a star," <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, you know, like he uh, he ends up like kind of grooming her uh, comedically. And, uh, yeah, so he says, Hey, you know, we can do this stuff. Um, he goes to, uh, I can't remember. I think American international pictures. I think it was, uh, that's the, the company that put out shaft and, and a lot of the black, like uh, a lot of, um, I, I was almost said Jackie Brown. Um, Oh, what is her name? I can't think of her name. Paul, uh, Pam Greer put yeah, out a Pam lot Greer. of Pam Greer movies and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and they basically are like, you know, no, we're not going to, we're not going to give you the $300,000 that you would need to make this, uh, this film because, you know, like he's, he says, Which of course today is like the amount it would take, like if someone wanted to, you know, mortgage their house and make a movie, you know, right. follow their dream. But, uh, but yeah, so he can't, uh, you know, he's like, okay. So he goes to his, his mob guys, uh, which by the way, probably the, the nicest depiction of mob people in, in a in a movie maybe like ever because they're since like a, since a rocketeer yeah because they're like um they're first of all they're like yeah you know okay we'll give you the loan and they warn them they're like rudy we don't think you should do this you're you're doing so well as a comedian you know if you're doing this you're basically you're leveraging your your work your albums against this money we're paying you if you lose it you know because you make this movie and it doesn't make any money we're going to own, you know, your stuff. And, uh, which is like the complete opposite of like every, like actual thing that happened with the mob and like, you know, black, like uh, music and like cinema during that time period. <laughs> right. They're, they're so like nice to him and, and everything. Right. And they do give him the money. They're like, okay, you know, we believe in you or whatever, go and do it kind of thing. Um, so they loan him, you know, the money to make this, uh, apparently about $70,000 is what this cost. Um, they, uh, you know, they loan him the money to make it and he, they, they go out to a strip club looking for talent, I guess. Uh, and they just happened to see Wesley Snipes' character who was in legitimate films, uh, played, um, a, uh, a elevator operator, I guess, in, uh, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Cause he says he's been directed by Roman Polanski. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they, uh, you know, first, this is, this is sort of humorous in that very like, uh, oh, you know, oh, that clapped her like, uh, oh, very nice, you know, kind of, kind of way where, um, Wesley Snipes is like, 
Hey, if I was white, would you be coming up to me in a strip club thinking that you could sign me to do your movie? Are you kidding me? I have an agent. You know, I am a professional. This is absolutely right. ridiculous. Get the fuck away from me. And uh, Eddie Murphy's like, well, what if we offered you to direct? And they do that hard cut to uh, to him walking into, uh, you know, the studios. Right. <laughs> so uh, another clever thing about Rudy Ray Moore is there's uh, when he first talked to the homeless people, they mentioned that this uh, hotel was used to be like a beacon of African-American entertainments. And he um, he made a deal with the guy that owns it that says he'll be the caretaker and he'll roust out all the junkies and and all this stuff from here. Uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, for free, if he gets to be the caretaker. So he, you know, redoes everything, cleans everything up and turns it into a movie studio where they've got different rooms that they can make up uh, for, for their movies. And, and they've got a stage and basically everything that they need to make this film. So they bring in a bunch of students from USC to be the, uh, I prefer to call them the uh, cinematographer. They, they do refer to them as a DP director of photography. Uh, I, I go by the, I can't remember which one it is. One of the cinematographers, I can't remember which one, but they were like, I don't like to be called director of photography because there's, there's one director on the set and that's it. So I don't like, uh, I don't, he doesn't like that term, but, but anyway, um, so Sounds like that uh, Edward Tomac character, right? Exactly. <laughs> Ralphie Smith's nemesis. Um, yeah. But uh, so inside, no one will get that unless I don't know. You were spying on us uh, like twenty <laughs> years ago, I guess. Uh, we're just a local reference to uh, to a movie Mike and I made uh, our own. But anyway, so. Um, he, uh, you know, they bring these, these guys in and everything students to, uh, to work and he's, he's paying them and everything he's, he's burning through, you know, he's doing it on the cheap, like obviously very much so, but he's, right. but he's still paying them, uh, you know, to, to do this and everything. And, and, uh, they start filming the movie. Uh, and here's the thing. So he goes to a local theater he gets Keenan Michael Key. I can't remember uh, what the guy's uh, Jones. I think Jerry Jones. Yeah, that's his name. He, uh, you know, he was a writer and he wrote a lot of plays. I guess uh, in this area, and they're talking about what they're gonna do. And he wants to do a very like gritty, like street drama type thing. And obviously, Rudy Ray Moore is more into the comedy, and Dolomite is by its nature a comedic, uh, you know, character. And you can kind of see the conflict of these ideas immediately, but also the way they're talking about it. I'm just like, I'm I've seen the movie. I know how ridiculous the movie is, but I'm listening to them and I'm like, Oh, they're going to make something. They're really going to make something that means something that says something. It's like, it really pulled me in. And even though I know it's not going to happen, but, um, so, you know, they start filming things and, and, you know, things get changed here and there. Obviously, um, Eddie Murphy is Rudy Ray Morris talking to uh, to Lady Reed and, and says, you know, he doesn't want to do this sex scene with this white woman. And he's like, I don't know why they wrote a sex scene. And she's like, you're Dolomite. You know, you, you need sex with at least, you know, somebody. And he's like, I can't do it. Like, I can't be sexy, basically. And she says, well, do it, you know, do it funny. And 
that's what they do. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, uh, the, the, you know, the bed's moving up and down. The, uh, the, like, paintings are, are moving up and down on the wall. The actual ceiling falls away at, at one point. Um, and in the movie, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. Uh, but that, and that's all, like, in Petey Wheatstraw, um, Petey Wheatstraw, he, um, he has sex with, like, 30 demons, these, like, female demons from hell, and it's, like, the whole thing is just him, like, making the motion like he's having sex with them. You can see him from, like, behind, like, he, and he turns around and looks right at the camera and is smiling, and it's all sped up like it's Jack Benny footage. So it's, like, every time he did a sex scene, it was always played for comedy. Um, and that, that kind of started here with Dolomite. So, you know, that, that worked out, uh, well, and then, um, he, he goes to sell the picture and, uh, they say, no, we don't want it. Uh, as his, as his mob guys said, um, you know, the thing is, Rudy, you don't, you don't make a movie for like the nine blocks around you where you live. But Rudy Ray Moore correctly says there are nine blocks like that in every city across the country. Right. Um. So then he yeah, and also he ran out of money at the end and didn't. Yeah. Didn't, how did that, I can't remember how that resolved itself because like he just hadn't paid everybody. He got another he loan. He got another okay, loan from yeah, the yeah. mobsters and the mobsters were like, dude, you you know if this fails, you're gonna be working for us for free for the rest of your life. Right. And he's like, oh, so I'm going to be a slave. And they're like, hey, hey, whoa. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so they, they give him more money. It's so funny to me. Um, so he, uh, that's when the aforementioned Chris Rock comes in. And as soon as I saw him, I was thinking like, oh, here's, here it is. I wonder what Mike's going to say about this. But yeah, his, his performance is fine because basically he's just doing his persona from his act which fits someone that's on the radio, you know, hi, we're here, we're here with Rudy Ray Moore, you know, like that's that very Chris Rock type of talk. That is a a DJ from the mid seventies. Um, so, and then, uh, so he, he goes on the show and he's like, he's, he's kind of pissed at him. He like, you know, kind of walks out during the break and he goes, what's, what's wrong? He's like, well, he's like, how come you're telling me, he's like, everyone wants to see this movie. Tell me when it's coming out. And he's like, well, it's not coming out Mm -hmm. because he couldn't get distribution. And then, Chris Rock's character, um, you know, very wisely goes, well, my brother or brother-in-law owns a movie theater. Make a deal with him, and you could show it there, and then, you know, you'll make some money off it. People get to... Yep. So he goes, and this is like a huge theater that this guy owns, too. It's almost like the Fox Theater in Detroit. It's like, it looks like it seats like 500 people or something. Something like that, yeah. It's a big theater. Yeah, it's got like a second row, I think. You know, like the upper deck type thing. Yeah, balcony. That's what they call it. Uh, but yeah, so they uh, he he shows it there, and it's just like every it's like the he's it shows him you know promoting the movies, walking around handing out flyers, you know he's you know a, a marketing genius as we already said. Yep. And then uh, sure enough, he shows up to the theater, and there's like a line almost like halfway around the building to see this movie. Yeah, it's it's you know a huge hit, and uh, the guy the guy says uh, you know you're gonna make a shitload of money, <laughs> you know, and he says you're gonna sell all your popcorn or whatever. Um, so. You know, obviously they, they show it several nights there and everything. Um, that's when uh, Saul 
from Better Call Saul, Bob, o- Bob Odenkirk. That's when he's uh, he's looking at the the take from all the different theaters, and he's like, "What the fuck? This thing is, you know, this theater broke some records. What's going on here?" Um, so he, you know, he finds out that uh, Dolomite is the movie that was doing it. So he calls Rudy Ray Moore in, and you know, uh, he says, I, "I guess he's from American International Pictures, although they don't ever really say." But um, Rudy Ray Moore is like, yeah, you guys, uh, you know, fucked me over before. You said you didn't want the movie. And, uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk's like, look, you know, we're uh, we were wrong. Uh, This movie's going to play to black audiences for sure. And uh, they basically they make a deal. So they're going to premiere the movie. And I'm telling you, Mike, because I wasn't I didn't remember if this movie was a hit or not. Uh, because I wasn't around in the seventies and I, I didn't really look it up before I watched the, the movie. I knew it had become a cult classic and I knew pretty much everybody knew what it was now, but I didn't know if it was a hit in theaters. So there was so much tension to me watching it. This is one of the things I loved about the movie. There was so much tension watching it is they, they, they all get dressed up. They get into the limousine. They, they start reading the critics reviews, which are terrible. <laughs> And they're pulling up and, and, you know, he's like, look, if we, if we, you know, even if nobody shows up, we, 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 we made it, we made a movie, we did it. He paid back, uh, the mobsters, by the way, he sent him a check for, uh, 30,000 or, or whatever that he borrowed from them. Um, and when they come around and they, they roll down the window and he looks out and it's just mobbed, like people lined all the way down the street. It was such a fucking satisfying moment to me. I was like, yes, you did it, yeah. Rudy Ray Moore. Like when we saw the movie Angus, he stood up and said, yeah, go on, Angus. That's right, yeah. Or whatever you yelled that was hilarious. Uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was so, it was so like viscerally satisfying. And then he comes out, uh, you know, everyone's packed and he's like, Hey, you know, like, come on, we love to have you here, but, um, we, you know, we, we're not built for this kind of crowd. So they, they usher him inside. They're about to go in. And, um, you know, the manager of the thing is like, yeah, we got, you know, we're sold out for this showing. We're sold out for this showing. I think we're going to have to add a 2 a.m. showing just to satisfy everybody. And he stops and he's like, these people are, are going to be out here until two o'clock in the morning. And you can tell, like, he really, he really was a humble like person. He really didn't have like a huge ego and he really did care about like everyone. Like you could tell he was so grateful that these people loved him. Like that's all he ever wanted. It's one of those weird stories where it's like you, you hear about people like Sinatra and stuff like that who like absolutely fucking loathed themselves and just wanted to be loved so badly. And even though they became like hugely famous, it never filled that dark hole inside because you know, whatever it was like their mom or, or wife or whatever it was never like loved them the way that they wanted to. But for Rudy Ray Moore, this was all he wanted. This did satisfy him. Um, and, uh, he's like, you know what, like go inside, you know, these people, you know, came to see her like, you know, they're going to be out here until two in the clock in the morning. Like he really cared about them. Yeah. So he goes out there and, and plays to the crowd and everything. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where the movie ends. We, we get a little, um, you know, we get a little like tech stuff that, that says the movie made 10 
fucking million dollars off a budget of 70,000. And maybe they yeah. put in another, like after um, American International uh, bought it, they probably put in something like 30 or 40 grand um, for advertising is my guess. Although that would have been, sure. that would have even been a lot, I think, in the 70s. But let's say that. So like 100, 110,000, it made $10 million, which is enormous. Um, and then obviously they went, they went to make, uh, you know, other movies and, and stuff like that. And, you know, his, his legacy was established. Um, but yeah, I mean like the performances and I mean, I do see what you're saying. And I think if they had done it in an, a style of black exploitation, it could have been really funny and really good, but I did, I did like it. I, I was emotionally invested in this movie and these characters. Yeah, it's it's kind of not what I expected. I thought it would be more like Ed Wood, like I said, you know, where it's mm-hmm. more like you know, like you know, there's obviously like you know they've you know added some stuff that didn't happen in the lines and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't, and it's not it's not a bad movie. Eddie Murphy's great, and all the performances are great. I like at the end how there it said it was in tribute to Charlie Murphy, you know, Eddie yes. Murphy's brother. That was nice. Yeah. Um, and they showed a few scenes from the actual Dolomite, and it was kind of neat to see that too. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Bitch, are you for real? (laughs) It's so funny. Like, what I love about Rudy Ray Moore is Rudy Ray Moore had such a strong vision for everything. Like, with Dolomite or with, um, well, actually, I'm not sure with Dolomite because I got to ask you this question in a minute. But, like, with Petey Wheatstraw and with the other movies that he made after Dolomite was a hit, He knew exactly what kind of movie he wanted to make. He knew how he wanted it to be. He knew he wanted comedy in it. He knew he wanted nudity in it. He knew he knew he wanted uh, kung fu in it. And like he knew exactly how each scene was gonna play. And that's what it was. And um, it's funny because like this character, like the Dolomite character, like everything that he created, right? Like doesn't fit in with Shaft, doesn't fit in with other black black exploitation films from the era. Like, he basically, like, created the movie. For, like, like, that's... He couldn't have just been, like... He couldn't have just been in comedies in the 70s. Like, that character and, like, that persona wouldn't have fit. He had to make his own movie in order in order to do it. Like, and he did it with everything. Like, he, he really just, like, through force of will... Like carved out and created everything that uh, that he wanted. But the question I was going to ask you is: at the end, he's kind of looking. Everyone's like, or not at the end uh, when when they're in Indianapolis uh, and he rents out that that theater and he sees the people watching the movie for the first time and they're fucking laughing their asses off at the movie. Uh, the the theater owner is like is this supposed to be a comedy? I thought like, I thought this was like more like a shaft kind of like, you know, actiony thing. He's like, no, it's, you know, it, 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 it's like, yeah, it's a comedy. It's, it's this, it's that, you know, they, they get it. They understand. Do you think that that's how he meant it? That he meant for people to view it in the way that it was viewed? Or do you think that like he wanted it to be taken earnestly, but then everyone took it as a comedy and he was like, well, let's roll with this. I think he just rolled with it. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain things in it that are obviously meant to be comedy. Uh, like the, like that sex scene and everything where it's like, it's, it's almost like Mel Brooks. Like, 
in uh yeah in that's some a really stuff. good that's a really good comparison yeah but um no but, brooks another person who i don't fight funny right but um but you saw there's some parts i think that are obviously meant to be funny but yeah i think a lot of it was supposed to be serious and then he saw that and he was just like yeah let's just go with this because if you look at his other movies after dolomite uh they're made with that with that um that mentality in mind you can tell like they're they're yeah. much more overtly comic than dolomite is sure so it's like he he like realized you know okay people are gonna laugh at this and stuff so let's make it silly like like that and i think that's like what a lot of his his movies became and i like i said i i, I think i think you're right he probably did just roll with it oh yeah that's my guess but that is, you know, that's my name is Dolomite. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was great. Mike, not as much, but, you know, we're all entitled to be wrong. So Yeah, Eddie Murphy is, is great in this, but it's just, again, not what I thought I was going into it. Right. But I would recommend it. Uh, I'm guessing you wouldn't, Mike? No, I mean, if you know it's a biopic and you like biopics, I just gen- don't generally like biopics. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm, to me, they're hit and miss. I like some, I don't like others. Uh, that Queen biopic, I, just, I watched that, it was terrible. I just don't, the, the idea of them isn't interesting to me for the most part. Yeah. But, that is our episode for tonight. Uh, you know, do do all the things. Oh, I've got another, I got another drop for this. So, this is what I feel like uh, every time I have to do this shit at the end, where I tell you, like, Hey, you know, subscribe to us and tell a friend and and all that stuff. This is what I feel like right here. I'm Kyle. Nope, not that one. Not that one either. Leave a like. What do you got against it? Yeah. Do you like content? So do we. Leave a like. Hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel every time I have to do this. So was uh, that that Thor? No, that's um. Just because they're Australian, that's uh, <laughs> that's like an Asgardian accent to me. <laughs> that's from uh, that's uh, the guys from the Weekly Planet, uh, the other podcast that I that I listen to and like. Besides our podcast, pretty pretty soon with this board here that uh, Road, uh, you know, saw it in their hearts to uh, to gift to us uh, the wonderful people at Road. Get a Roadcaster Pro; it's the best thing you'll ever do. Um, but anyway. Uh, with all the drops that I can put on here, eventually the show I think is just going to be clips that I think are funny from various different sources. <laughs> and that'll be the entire show. We, we won't even need to provide any content. I'll get some John Mulaney stuff, some Norm MacDonald jokes, and I'll just pepper them all in there. And it'll just be a stream of that from beginning to end. There you go. Uh, anyway. So like, uh, like James said there, you know, leave a like and uh, tell some friends and everything, but we will see you next week. Bye. See you next time.